0: So you start with this very simple, repeatable methodology that gives sales reps a context to capture good information. And then down the road, that leads to better forecasting.
1: Eric, welcome to the Fit Team Show.
0: Good to be here, thanks. Excited to
1: have you on, uh, get to know your story a little bit uh, better, and uh, share that with our audience.
0: Good, yeah, thank you for having me.
1: I'd love to do is start, you know, early on, uh, where you grew up, where you're from, and, you know, what uh, your early childhood was like.
0: Yeah, so I wasn't born here, but uh, moved here with my parents down in Miami in the early 70s. And uh, they, they got divorced pretty quickly, so I, I grew up with a single mother. Um, we moved, I don't know, probably about five, six years, probably 76 up to Lighthouse Point in Pompano, so I grew up in, in Lighthouse Point, went to Deerfield High School, uh, FAU, uh, MIT eventually. Um, but yeah, I pretty much grew up in Lighthouse Point, Pompano, and then sort of moved east, you know, in Boca, now I'm in
1: Delray. Okay, um, so what was, uh, you know, after high school, what did you do?
0: Yeah, so I started, <clears throat> I went to FAU. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be an environmental engineer right out of school. Um, They didn't have it at FAU. So uh, I ended up going into sort of the closest thing to it, which was they had a very specialized program at FAU called Hydrogeology. So I went into that program and um, met a woman along the way. She was working at IBM. She was a chemical engineer, but she ran their environmental program. And um, got friendly with her and ended up getting a job right out of school um, working as an environmental engineer for one year. And then, kind of a fluke thing happened. I, I had an, an opportunity to to get a job as a programmer, mm-hmm. working in a new thing. This was in '91, a in multimedia. <laughs> you know, they had just come out with like a CD-ROM, mm-hmm. and I kind of jumped ship. I was just fascinated by all this cool, you know, technology. And um, and then, when I was doing that, I still went back, got my graduate degree in civil engineering, really water resource engineering. But I was living this split life between, you know, kind of civil water and working at IBM as a programmer. So Mm -hmm. it was a strange existence for a little while. And I thought that I would sort of bring the two together and I never did. I always stayed, you know, on the technology side.
1: So what was the next, what came next after that for you?
0: So I, see, I was with IBM for 11 years right at school. And, and it was the Best experience, you know, working for a big brand like that. You just don't know until you leave Mm -hmm. the benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always, I always tell people, you know, if they're coming, especially parents, like when they come out of college, have them get a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, don't necessarily start with a startup, but get a job. Especially if you can get to one of these big brands, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, so I didn't want to work for one company my whole life. I had ended up at IBM corporate, so we were building out a technology platform for the CEO at that time, who was Lou Gerstner. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the developers working on the technology, and that's how I got into event management. So it was right after the dot-com bust, I I left my my cushy job and and did uh, what was my previous company, which was a startup in event management technology. And I did that for about seven and a half years, and that got acquired by Constant Contact. That was in 2008. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, IBM, my, First startup, which was my last company, and then with Constant Contact, and I was with Constant Contact for eight years, and through 2016, they got acquired in the beginning of 2016, and then I left, and I'm on my second startup. You know, suffering like the rest of the startups are down here.
1: Talk about um, you know being with a big company. You said there were some advantages. Uh, what what's some of those advantages that you like to share that you really enjoyed with IBM?
0: IBM has a very strong culture. By the time I got there in you know January 2nd of 1990. They had been around for 70 years. You know, they knew how to compete. You know, they knew how to groom. You know, people coming right out of college. So, and it's very sort of hierarchical. You you learned about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it was a very structured environment. You you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting someone that was smarter. You know, or just you know a lot of PhD people there. And and they gave you at that time. I was in OS two. Just a lot of assistance. So, the, you know, there's the famous entrepreneur Peter Thiel who talks about, you know, kind of convinces kids that they don't need to go to college, and I just couldn't disagree more. I think, you know, uh, what I'd realized later on is had I not gone to college, I would have never, as a geology student, how, how did I get to IBM? You know, it's, it's more, it's not even just the education, it's the people you meet and the experiences. But, but to your original question, I just think it gave me a real grounding about how the world works and it made it easier for me to probably run you know a startup and understand how to actually do it you know then if i was just right out of school i wouldn't have had any of that experience you know
1: right so <clears throat> then the startup came next and talk about some of the challenges you face is for anybody that's kind of like they're looking at maybe getting started you know, <laughs> yeah. and, there's, and there's lots of them but talk about some of the
0: yeah so there's you know. You know, I hate to burst people's bubble. There's nothing glamorous about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just the most a painful experience that I've had both, both times. Um, I, I was fortunate in that I think one of the big mistakes that startups do, especially the founders, is you tend to hire people that may not challenge you or contradict, you know, the people that I hired right out of the chute were people that were far better technologists than me, mm-hmm. you know degree computer science, scientists or engineers, and so I I hired people that were way stronger than me in technology, and um, and then it, it forced me to be kind of the subject matter expert and find my place in the business, running the business, and, and um, it was a very collaborative experience, you know, there was no yes men. Mm-hmm. I would advise entrepreneurs not to hire yes men, mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, you know, at that time, so we didn't raise any monies, we bootstrapped the company through getting yeah. business um, and that was a better way to do it and there's a big learning curve you know because you're trying to figure out who your target market mm-hmm. and make sure the technology works and then typically entrepreneur entrepreneurs are terrible at, you know chasing shiny objects you know just keep building features and mm-hmm. that sometimes doesn't help mm-hmm. solve the problem um, but I was fortunate in building the right team um, we didn't build a, you know, like a booming business, but by the time Constant Contact got to us, we probably had made four and a half million dollars. So, the product was the product itself showed very well. Mm-hmm. So when they came to us at that time, it was either me or Eventbrite. They were looking at two companies, and we were way further ahead than Eventbrite at the time. You know, this was back in 2007, and our technology had been proven over and over. Very large events, small events, and uh, so it was just a good fit, and, and we had started out very enterprising, and then sort of moved down to the small business space. It was just much more, um, uh, I guess, uh, how would I say, satisfying in, in working with the smaller businesses, because you could have a bigger impact. Now, you didn't make the same money. Mm-hmm. You know, so at that time, we'd kind of moved down to the small business space, and then Constant Contact was, they had a demand for, for an event product they wanted to acquire it versus build it internally and we had started to focus on small business which is where they focus so
1: so what was that like them contacting you were you looking were they did they come to you first were you kind of open yeah it's
0: yeah so what had happened is is we we had some customers that were using them for email marketing and me for online registration and so the first product they went public into in october 2007 on their email marketing product but in that year, they'd also launched their second product, which was an online survey product. And it, it actually, it was, they had a, a bad experience with that, and they figured, let's just go buy the experience and the technology. Yeah. So, and they had a demand, there was a big demand for it internally. So, when they came, to, it was very timely, yeah, when they came to us. I, I i was pretty burnt out after seven years, you know. Mm-hmm. and. There was It was that or, or I had gotten to an A round of funding with a private equity group. They were, there was almost $3 million of funding and it was either do that or go with constant contact and I was just kind of burnt out on mm-hmm. running the business and never even thought about, you know, I had never even, cons- I just thought when I started this business, you know, you, you hopefully you'd get acquired or, or build mm-hmm. a, booming business. I thought like one of these event management entities would buy me. I never thought about the complimentary mm-hmm. sort of markets that that would be interested in an in email market in an email marketing company was one looking to get into mm-hmm. event management technology. So they had a big brand. They just had, you know, in public, they had a lot of resources I really liked. I really liked the management team. Gail, um, Gail Goodman was the, the main CEO, and she's just a marvel and a big fan. I mean, she was the only CEO from start to, you know, finished t- taking it public.
1: So when they first came to you till to completion, how long was that? Approximately. Yeah, it was like, was it, it was like birth. Like, so it was yeah, nine, months. We, nine months. We laughed
0: about it afterwards because the reason I think it took so long is, um, they went public. So they had, they had, the first contact was like in August of 2007. They went public in, in, in October. And I think that there's a time when like you can't do anything, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it happened in May of the next year in 2008 and, uh, Things, one of the things I learned, which is, is, is pretty common in acquisitions, is they call it a leaky boat. Like, if the ac- a- acquisition takes too long, you can start to lose people. And I lost one person along the way. That was painful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took nine months, and I, I think it had a lot to do with them going public. And this was, mm-hmm. we were the first acquisition. Yeah. So this was, this was a, a new experience for them. Mm-hmm. You know, for us coming from, you know, and everyone that I had hired, uh, except for the one salesperson, all the technology people were from ibm that i had worked with so we had come from a big company and mm-hmm. then we we're working in a very small company and then going to kind of you know a growing mid-sized company. so i don't i don't think that was a challenge for us
1: I'd love to hear a little bit more about when they first approached you were you were you aware of them were you excited obviously there's had to be some excitement there and, and yeah that initial yeah call and then probably the, the next meeting or whatever it was I'd like to hear a little bit more about that
0: it was exciting because yeah. I never, I never really considered that as as a, mm-hmm. an acquisition source, you know, and um, and as I got to know them, um, I really liked them, you know, and it it made such a good fit. I, I'll tell you from a technology. It's funny you asked this. So um, all of the online registration applications and there's it's a it's an old cate- it's an old product category. It's been around for a while, but. Mm-hmm we would struggle the most with the email part of it, because you, in a, in a in a sense, in a small sense, you're acting as an email service provider, and you have to work with all the internet service providers, you know, Hotmail, and mm-hmm. Gmail, and Yahoo, and, and we hate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a, a painful part of the business. So, as I started to learn my way into the challenges of event management, I was like, wow, I could offload this whole email thing to someone that does it for a living that was one of the bigger attractions besides Mm -hmm. you know it was a big company and they were well funded and i really liked the people and yeah there was that technology challenge i was like great (laughs) give Mm -hmm. this to someone else
1: so when the acquisition was complete talk a little bit about that
0: so um yeah i was kind of numb for a while you know i i entrepreneurs you know that they, they say you know the term you go for broke you know mm-hmm. and then you get there and it's a bad day <laughs> you know when you actually so we had real highs and lows we had you know times when we were fat and happy and times that we weren't mm-hmm. and I think when we went from the enterprise down to the small business we were bringing less money which was costing me more money to keep mm-hmm. the business so I was thrilled to be there I, I remember the first day I, I when we showed up and they were announcing it to the company and mm-hmm. and we walked into the room with the exec team and I, and they just sort of tackled me I was scared, I was taken by because I didn't even know who all these people were, and, and so you're, you're sort of taking it all in, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were a small group. There was, mm-hmm. you know, it started out with six, and then one of us dropped, and there was mm-hmm. just five of us. Um, so yeah, it was pretty exciting, you know, for both sides, you know, us as a small team, and them for their first acquisition. And what's funny after that is, their next couple acquisitions were all powerhouse teams, like real small tech teams, because mm-hmm. you could do a lot, you could make a lot of ground with a small tech team like that. So we, we kind of set the, the pace for what happened, you know, in the next couple acquisitions. Yeah.
1: So after that was, after your um, time with them was done, what came next?
0: Yeah, so I, I, you know, I was involved with my product for five years, and then I was, the last three years that I was doing, I was running their market intelligence group, which was great, because I got to look at other markets, things places maybe they should go and doing a lot of competitive intelligence. And that really led to, you know, my second startup, which I'm doing now, Deal Coach Pro, which is a sales technology. That was a, you know, insightful experience with small businesses and their struggles. Um, so this sales technology, it started out sort of focusing on small businesses. And it turns out really it's better for medium and larger companies. You know, we've been learning our way into it. But for my second one, I raised monies right out of the start, and um, raising monies in South Florida is tough. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. So I raised, you know, almost six hundred enough to build the product. It it almost got us two years. We ran out of money in um, in late twenty seventeen. So for the last two years, we've just been going at it really slowly um, and making organic progress, like making the product product better. We had our best year last year, meaning that we had one mid-sized company but with 130 sales reps used it and they loved it and it went great and now there's actually there's two (laughs) interested parties in in acquiring it so that's exciting but i know how hard it is talk
1: a little bit more about your product and what it what
0: yeah so you know the the strategy was is uh it's we took a sales methodology and turned it into a a a sas application so the problem that we were solving for is, you know, why is sales forecasting off so much? And every company has this. And we've always had this view that sales reps just don't have a simple, repeatable way to assess an opportunity, right? So, sitting in all these CRMs, is just bad data. It doesn't matter how much technology or AI you throw at it you know, bad data in is bad data out. So you start with this very simple, repeatable methodology that gives sales reps a context to capture good information. And then down the road that leads to better forecasting. So we kept it very simple and repeatable and there's some really f- fascinating technology built in around predictive analytics. But it's a, a very simple sort of framework to help sales reps, B2B sales reps, mm-hmm. capture information about the opportunity they're working on. It's not Every opportunity is the ones that make or break your quarter. In fact, the more complexity, the better the application actually does.
1: What some goals you have for that company this year?
0: So I think it's it, we've been very hyper focused on the customers. You know, the few customers that are using it to make them happy, mm-hmm. and but at the same time know that it, it's a common platform. You know, it wasn't customized for any mm-hmm. particular company. So we we try and keep it generic as much as possible. Um, and really putting in the things that, actually, you know, and sort of breaking that rule, I said, you know, we, we're ch- we've chased this one shiny, shiny object about around predictive analytics, and it's the most interesting sort of technology I've ever been involved with, a lot of mathematics to make this work, and we just implemented it, and um, we're very excited about it, but we want to see how it does, so we're taking a little risk here, again, in, in implementing something that we see as the future for sales mm-hmm. technologies and trying to prove that out. Yeah. I have
1: recently heard that, you know, data is more valuable than oil and gas now. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it is the big commodity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, you know, big data has certainly crossed the chasm, so to speak, in the last probably five years, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a burgeoning industry itself. And then, obviously, AI, you know, mm-hmm. so the two in, in combination go hand in hand now.
1: So I'd love to hear how you got involved with TEDx.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, interesting that the last organizer, sh- she did her last event in Boca Raton in 2016, and she had adopted a little girl, and she was moving away from Florida, and she uh, was going to give it up. And mm-hmm. she knew I had this event background, and she asked me if I wanted to do it. And like, like a lot of things, I like I sort of jump in and don't think about it a lot. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, this will be kind of cool to do, mm-hmm. and then and then i i applied for the license which is really hard it's a free license but it, it it's a, a pretty exhaustive experience to get mm-hmm. the license and um, then i got it and i was like oh god i got to build a team to to do a you know mm-hmm. a ted talk is can be very very con- the rule set is very complicated mm-hmm. and then it was building the team you know it was pretty much starting with people like Cindy metzler to help mm-hmm. me with the the marketing and some other people you know uh, Tarot and Just, I have a, a great team of mm-hmm. people that do stuff. They, they don't talk, you know. People can be voted off the island. Everyone has to be rowing in the same mm-hmm. direction. But the goal was, I thought, I'm a big fan of TED Talks, um, you know, creating something unique and, and bringing topics that I think would be interesting, you know, to Boca Raton. And so our first year was in 2018, and that was a big learning curve. And then we just did our, our second year, which was 2019, and just logistically the event was, was much better. But, you know, there's a lot going on in tech, and I thought, you know, we could, it gives, a, gives us a chance to sort of highlight what's going on in South Florida. And uh, so and if you look at all the really progressive cities, you know, Cambridge, Toronto, San Francisco, New York, they all have thriving, you know, TEDx events. Yeah. So that's, that's really the goal is to bring kind of a destination event
1: here. How many events have you had in the last couple of years now
0: so we we do one big event each year okay. um they have they have these smaller things called salons and we did three smaller salons last mm-hmm. year but it really distracted us from the main event so we're just going to go back to doing the one big event um, each year they typically will have you know 12 to 14 speakers mm-hmm. Um, I'll get a couple from MIT, you know, I I did my MBA there, so I'm in that network. And so I'll bring some people down, and like one woman was using CubeSats, these very small satellites, to study um, hurricane tracking. So she's sitting at MIT, and, and actually her talk was one of the most popular talks last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, I'll find stuff there that's really that really resonates with people here. And then and then the other half of the speakers will will be local. Yeah, but we'll do one big event mm-hmm. each year. Yeah. If
1: someone wants more information on that, where would they go for that?
0: Yeah, go to com, and everything's on the website there.
1: Yeah. Right, great, great. Yeah. What else would you like to share that you haven't shared with our audience?
0: Wow. Uh... <laughs> uh That's a good question. I know it's it's kind of fun talking to you. You know, I I hope people will certainly go out to TEDxBocaRotan because we are trying Mm -hmm. to grow that as an event each year. And and they're fun events, you know, and this next year. um, We plan to do it. It'll be at the end of next year. Last year's we've done it at FAU. We may do it at Meisner potentially this next year. So definitely check out TEDxBocaRotan.com.
1: Awesome. Thanks for thanks for joining us today, Eric.
0: Yeah, thank you.